I don't know what is happening to me. All I know is that it is happening. Tonight on The CW. Are you a superhero? Superheroes aren't real. What if they are? It's the incredible new series from Ava DuVernay. You have power I have never felt before. This is real, whether you believe it or not. I just want to be normal. You're not normal. You, Naomi McDuffie, are exceptional. Naomi, the can't-miss series premiere tonight on The CW. Tonight at 9, only on DCW 50, Washington CW. Welcome to another episode of Back to the Birds, presented by the Podhub Network. This is another uh, small business spotlight. Haven't done these in a while, because haven't found a lot of people to be able to do them. Uh, but I figured, why not reach out to the man that helped me start this podcast in the first place, Evan Schnitt. How do I say your last name? Schindler. Schindler. Yes. Evan Schindler. Sorry I messed that up. I, you're like the third person I've done that to. Usually it goes off well. But I mean, if you hate me, you hate me. Yeah, well, that's okay, Cody Kalman, whatever, however you say your name. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. Ev, uh, it's nice to reconnect with you. Uh, you're doing big things over there at Mullet Media. Um, Absolutely. A little small business you got going that's starting to take off a little bit. I, I see you guys posting a lot on LinkedIn, and I figured now's the time. Now's the time to give you guys a spotlight and right when you're rising up, coming up. Make sure people know who you are. Yeah, well, Cody, you know, I appreciate you giving us the spotlight as a small business. And maybe one day when we're a major brand and we're doing all the marketing for everyone, we'll think about moments like this and our friends like you and we'll throw you a bone, you know. Oh, I'll take all the bones I can get. I'm a big boy. <laughs> but yeah, man, I'm, I'm happy to hear that uh, you, we helped you kind of start your journey into content creation. Uh, I think it was through Gab Gowdy that actually we met you, right? You went to school with her. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's a story I do want to get into. I don't want to get into it right now because it's like, that's one of my favorite stories. I want to leave it for later. But yes, Gab, me and Gab went to uh, college together. And then I saw you guys were doing an event. And then I was like, hey, let me be a part of it. And then we yeah, did it. That so was that's how it all started. Too. Yeah, it was it was a fun event. And <laughs> yeah, I, I won. I'm honestly, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> I, I still tell people that story. Uh, that And I embellish it a little bit like all my other stories. But yeah. Um, and you know, this, this baseball right here, see this big baseball, Yeah, it's like three times the size of a regular baseball. Uh, <laughs> so funny story about that. Another time I was a kid at PNC park and like out in the outfield, they used to have, I don't know if it's still outback steakhouse, but it used no, to be out yeah. above the bleachers. And, uh, we were at a game one time and I'm with my dad. And so just a little bit of background on my dad from the time my dad graduated high school up until he retired, he worked at iron city brewery. So yeah. he's like the most blue collar yinzer mom's worried about him watching me all day type dad. <laughs> and, uh, we go to a pirate game and it's, it must've been some event going on at the Outback steakhouse. Cause there was a buffet and they hadn't quite cleaned it up yet and turned it over to like the public bar. And they had those big baseballs sitting there. And I'm like, Dad, I really want that big baseball. I think that thing's so cool. It's like an awesome, uh, I don't know, piece of memorabilia to have. Mind you, it's probably the first or second inning. Like the game hasn't even started yet. We haven't even watched a pitch. My dad, being the Yinzer Pittsburgh Brewing alcoholic guy, probably just wants to leave so he can go buy cheaper beers outside the stadium somewhere. And he's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. He's like, since you're a little kid, nobody's going to yell at you. 
grab the baseball off the buffet and walk out with it. And then when you get to the stairs, throw it down the stairs and I'll stand at the bottom and catch it and just walk out of the, out of the pirate <laughs> stadium. So I grab it and I run over and I throw it down to him and he runs out. And then I like came out and met him. And I think he spent the rest of the day drinking at Mullins or whatever was right across yeah. the street. But now I have that baseball to remember it by. So <laughs> that's really awesome. And I mean, I want to get into your dad and you growing up with him and growing up with a, a brewer, you being a brewer's son, you know, and uh, just give me one second. We're going to be interrupted by someone that you've met before. Steph, come on in. She needs her computer. Hello, <laughs> so Steph. It's... Hi, Ev. How are you? Oh, thank you. She was also there for that story that we will be talking about later. Yeah. She was there cheering me on. <laughs> she was the scorekeeper. She was the scorekeeper. She was a very yeah. good scorekeeper. <laughs> but um while she's doing that yeah let's talk about um you growing up where 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 did you grow up uh so i was born and raised in dormont okay uh, but a lot of my family was from like lawrenceville my dad well so my mom's side of the family is from lawrenceville which is funny because almost everyone all my aunts and uncles on that side all owned homes in lawrenceville like nice properties now yeah but in the 2000s lawrenceville was a total shithole and so wait are we allowed to swear on this podcast oh absolutely okay um so lawrenceville was like a total shithole in like the early 2000s kind of uh, leading up until they kind of made the announcement that they were going to build the children's museum uh not museum uh hospital it wasn't the greatest area ever and uh so everyone on my mom's side of the family sold their houses at the bottom. They sold the bottom. And then now, you know, 10, 20 years later, all the houses, all the properties they had are worth millions of dollars yeah. and all this development's going on. But my mom's side of the family was from there. Uh, my dad's basically a North sider. He's like I said, the most Pittsburgh guy ever. And then somehow they met and you know, the typical Pittsburgh love story got together, had a kid, stayed married for, seven or eight solid years got divorced went their own way uh you know hanging out with dad on the weekends or during the week or whatever but um yeah i mean <laughs> hopefully my dad never watches this because i got some embarrassing <laughs> stories i could tell about him but i mean he's just a wild dude and he just yeah. even now today like he'll call me he just called me the other day and uh, i was having dinner with my wife and so i didn't answer it and he leaves a voicemail and his voicemail is real cordial he's like Hey, Ev, it's your dad. Just uh, give me a call back. No big deal. Whatever. I'm like, okay, I'll call him after dinner. Turn around, call him like an hour later after dinner and he answers. He's like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. What's up? You tell me. He's like, what did you call me for? I'm like, dude, you <laughs> called me and left me a voicemail. What do you mean? What did I call you for? And he's like, I don't remember calling you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I just ate a weed gummy like an hour ago. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> He's like, it's really good. And I'm like, is that what you called to tell me? Oh, <laughs> uh, I was I was about to say, like, yeah, my dad does the same thing, but that last part, you got him beat. Yeah, beat well, Jimbo, you know. <laughs> most most people's dads are doing that because of like old age and dementia. My dad's doing it because of old age and just <laughs> the way he is, the way he acts. So <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I, I want to say like we we were raised by the typical Western PA father. You know, you had yours worked at the local brewery, making cans, doing whatever. I had a dad who was doing the steel fabricating, building, basically building the city that we live in. Yeah, and It's like, they're just normal people that have been able to bring so many smiles to a lot of other people, even if they don't realize it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And it's, it's awesome because 
like I, I'm kind of proud to be able to tell people like my dad worked at Iron City because I think whenever you say that, I, I don't know, it gives like a certain pre-context and maybe it can be negative in some aspects, but for me, it's not at all. It's like, hey, here's where we're from. You know, we're not, we don't think we're better than anyone. We're not trying to act like, you know, I mean, I, I run a small business. I run a media company now and we've got some bigger name clients. Like we work for the Carnegie Museum. We work with um, PGT Trucking, one of the largest trucking companies in the US. But I don't ever want to come off as like this pretentious guy that doesn't have roots in the city of Pittsburgh. And that's one of the reasons why I love the city of Pittsburgh too, is because no matter where you go uh, in, you know, within the city, it's, there's always people that are just down to earth, cool. The neighborhoods are never too like, I don't know, trendy or hip. I mean, they, yeah. that, that stuff happens, but people still, you know, they still like respect that grit and that blue collar attitude, which I love about it. And I try to, I try to be like that. You know what I mean? I, our, our company's called mullet media because yeah. we're a uh, business in the front and party in the back. And, uh, ironically I had, well, not ironically, but well, yeah, ironically, no one in the company had a mullet. And so we're working with a client one day and, and the woman we were working with, she goes, you guys are called mullet media, but none of you have a mullet haircut. And I was like, all right, I'll take one for the team. Yeah, and get a mullet haircut. <laughs> so now to my wife's much, much dismay, I I've got this mullet rocking, but you know, it's that, it's that blue collar style in Pittsburgh. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I don't know. I just growing up you know you just you don't even realize it that like our parents really you know they built the culture of pittsburgh no matter what they did really as long as it was you know the blue collar like lifestyle it's like they built this shit yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's I mean, awesome it's, to be able to reflect and know that yeah i mean there, there's so much to be proud of for for pittsburgh and like the you know the healthcare, the robotics and the things that are going on in the city now and there's a lot of opportunity, especially for like a business like ours. But I think one thing that's just been instilled in people is again, it's that down to earth attitude. People are so nice in Pittsburgh. It's even, you know, like I'll go for walks around different parks in the city, like Frick Park or even like Point State Park. And people just like stop and wave or just say, you know, hey, how are you? And that's not something you get in cities like New York or, you know, places yeah. like I'm sure that, you know, Cody Coleman decided to set up shop because he's a he's just I don't know what you're thinking, but because I'm a pretentious <laughs> asshole or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, I, I completely get that. And that's why at one point I wanted to come back, you know, but we'll get to that later. Let's stick talking about you and your upbringing. Sure. Uh, I, I assume you went to Dormont High School. Uh, well, so Dormont High School would have been a. Uh, would have closed like a long time ago. We went, to, I went to a school called Keystone Oaks, gotcha. which okay. is, uh, it's a combination of three neighborhoods. It's Dormont, um, Green Tree and Castle Shannon. Okay. And interestingly enough, none of those neighborhoods share borders. They're all separated by some sort of, so I don't know how they came together. Um, but Dormont, the neighborhood I grew up in is the first suburb you can consider it on the south side of the city mm -hmm. but i mean you throw a stone and you're in the city limits and it's basically the same thing as like a brookline or a beach view it's it's real similar so um it was fun to grow up in dormont because the kids from from green tree or castle shannon they had this big spread out neighborhood with the big yards and we were more urban and we had this walkable neighborhood so you know my friends would always come over and stay at my house so we could like roam the streets at night and yeah. uh, get in trouble. And my my dad actually coined the term door monsters, 
for people that live in Dormont. So that's really awesome. And now yeah. I assume you played sports, right? I mean, you're a big oh, guy. Yeah. I'm a big guy. We had to play offensive line or else we were told we were weirdos, right? I actually think you're my long lost brother. So no, yeah. Cool. And yeah, when we first met, it was like Gab and Steph, they were like, you guys are the exact same person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I played, um, I, I mean, I dabbled with everything when I was younger. And then when I got into high school, um, pretty much just focused on football because it became, I don't know, it starts to get serious, I guess, in high school. And like, for me, I don't know, I never really took it that serious, but I guess I was pretty good. And, uh, I went to play at Robert Morris after that for a year and, um, didn't love the, the bill that Robert Morris was giving me for college. Uh, yeah, I so I transferred to Clarion and, um, made it through like one camp at Clarion and then just got my bell rung and was like, you know what? I already red shirted. Then they wanted me to do like medical gray shirt and I wasn't loving football to begin with. So I was just like, nah, we're good. I think I'm just going to like crack a beer on Saturday morning and sit around and <laughs> focus yeah. on my grades as the people that, you know, <laughs> quit football like to say. So, yeah, exactly. So it's, I mean, like you said, like we're twins. Like we're the same person because <laughs> we went through almost the same experience. You know, I, I also did the one year of college football. It wasn't as high level as yours. It was division three, but it's like, you know, you go in there and it's like, at least in my case, I was like, is this really what I want to do? I don't know if you had the same experience or what your experience was doing that one or two years of college football. Yeah. I mean, in high school, it's, it's so much different because when you play high school, you're with all the guys that you grow up with. And for me, like I started playing at a pretty young age. And so I was playing with guys that I, we were friends from, you know, fifth, sixth grade playing together. And just, you got that locker room chemistry. And most of my fun memories from football, we tell stories of like dicking around in the locker room. I remember one summer we had summer uh, workouts and one of the kids who was one of the kids that we grew up with, uh, I think we were seniors at this point, and he, he had a bunch of bottle rockets left over from the 4th of July. And so we go into the, the men's locker room, and it's pretty tight quarters. You know, you got the big metal oh, yeah. lockers everywhere in this small room that 110 guys are all crowded into, plus trainers and equipment and stuff everywhere. And I, I take a handful of the bottle rockets and, like, tie the – twist all the little fuses together – yeah. and then light it and throw it into the locker room and then shut the lights off. <laughs> so all the underclassmen are screaming, and there's bottle rockets going off and exploding everywhere. So probably just one of the many reasons why, um, you know, football didn't work out long term for me because I like to just screw <laughs> around more and just, but, you know, those guys, like they were my friends and I grew up with them. And like when I went to college, sure, I'm, I made friends in college football too, but it becomes much more like a business much more, you know, you're competing for the spot. And I think like day one, um, and for college for, or when I went to Clarion, um, I ended up getting a concussion in camp. And then about halfway through the season, I came back just to finish the season out. And, um, I was much more uh, in shape back then. So I played tight end and, uh, the very first play I'm, I'm on scout team and I go and get into the huddle and I look up at the card. And it's like, okay, whoever's the tight end on the right side, you're going to pull across the entire line and kick out whoever the D end is on the left. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm telling you, this is my first play back from a concussion, not used to college speed at all. Basically, I haven't played in like four years. And I look at down to see who the D end is that I'm going to hit. 
and it's this dude who's like getting scouted by the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm like, <laughs> oh my god! And now I don't know. Like, should I go full speed and like yeah. piss the dude off because it's practice and maybe he's only going half speed, or do I go half speed and then he just kills me and then you know what I mean? So it was yeah. like. I like kind of like ran the ran my pull full speed and then got to him and didn't know what to do and just got my face broken. So, yeah, that was that was pretty much the end of the college football career with that one. Yeah, no, it's that's the thing with college football is like you you see people's futures. You're like that guy's probably gonna go somewhere. So do I want to do I want like knock him out or do I want to take it easy because like he might make money one day and if I'm on his good side, he might give me a few dollars. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah, and it's, it's, again, it's these guys that you don't know. And, you know, you go, you're going up against these dudes that they're from different high schools. They've got different backgrounds and I don't know the culture. I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's very different, but I mean, I, you know, I'm blessed to have been able to, to have that experience and say that I got to play against guys. One, one of the dudes that I played with, um, Julian Hauser is his name. He actually ended up playing in the league for, I think like four or five years he played for the jets and so you know just to just to go full circle take it back to my old man i remember we were watching a, a jets game i i forget who they were playing and it, we we're at the bar and in goes julian at fullback and i'm like hey dad there's my buddy Julian. like well you know we, i played against him and he's like announcing everyone at the bar like my son played with yeah <laughs> like there's my son it's like my son blocked that guy on scout team once so yeah um, <laughs> But, you know, it was cool. And then I think Julian, like, ran the wrong way on the play and ended up uh, <laughs> quickly getting cut after that. So, <laughs> Well, hey, that's typical Jets, though, right? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> if it would have been any other team, he'd probably have a long career. But actually, I think he's like a star in the Canadian League now. So well, that's awesome. Good to hear. If he ever sees this. Yeah, if he ever sees this and he hears you talking so well, so highly of him, maybe you'll get a, a check in the mail from him. Right, yeah. I'm sure that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. So now uh, let's talk about your college days. Um, I know from listening to your podcast before, um, you, you like to talk about college and the stories you had, and it, it, they're very hilarious. Uh, <laughs> you had a good time, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Um, just elaborate, I guess, on how much fun you had at Clarion. Um. Uh, well, well, without getting myself in too much trouble, because I think this will be on LinkedIn and I'd like to repost it and I still That's have fair. clients feelings that I need to consider. <laughs> um, we definitely had a good time in college. And, you know, I, I don't again, I, I always try to keep that kind of humble mentality. So I don't want to seem like um, like arrogant. But for me, school, especially college and maybe it's just like the curriculum at Clarion was very easy. And so I never like I was the kind of guy that in high school, my GPA was a 2.2. Like I barely graduated. But then when I went to take the SATs, I got one of the highest scores in the class. And so that's the only reason I ended up going to college is because I, you know, I think I'm intelligent enough to kind of like at least bullshit my way through tests or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when it comes to like regiment and people telling me what to do. Like, I, that's why I run my own business. Cause I'm terrible with authority. Any company I've ever worked for like three months in, I'm like questioning the CEO in public in front of everyone <laughs> and like getting fired and getting, you know, sent to the, sent to the closet to go do the rest of my work shift. So, um, so college for me though, I mean, I think it was, it, it was a lot better because you're not on that strict regiment. And, um, yeah, I mean, all my memories from college, again, not from the classroom, more from like outside the classroom. I remember we had uh, 
there was this place up in Clarion. If if any of your viewers have ever been to Clarion or w like went to school there, they would know about it. It's called the Trussell, and it's this old train bridge. And or first of all, it's a tunnel and then a bridge. And this bridge is so sketchy. I mean, it's been out of commission for eighty years, and frankly, I don't know why they don't shut this off from people because it is it's scary like you'll get you'll your legs will be shaking from looking down and parts of the whatever they what do they call the things that cross like not the the railroad ties i guess like they're broken yeah so you have to like jump over them at one point to get out to the i mean it's a beautiful view once you get out there but it's super yeah. sketchy <laughs> and this one night uh we're sitting around and we made up this drinking game such a stupid drinking game you basically take quarters and you shake them up in your hands and then you like stack them up. So it's a, it's a row of quarters and you see like, okay, the top one's heads. So we'd be like, all right, I think the next one's going to be tails. And then we would take it off and see what it was. And like, depending on what it was, you would make bets on. And it got so intense at one point that somebody's like, all right. And I, I, we must've got like five heads in a row. And I'm like, this next one's going to be tails no matter what. And I'm like out of money or whatever we're betting. And someone's like, all right, if that next one isn't what you said it is, you have to go out under the trestle right now. And it's pitch black at night. We're drunk, hammered, like who knows what it is. And of course I lose. So the next thing I know, I'm like walking through this tunnel. It's like soaking wet. I have the worst clothes on and uh, I'm going out on the trestle. But it was actually less scary at night because I couldn't see down. Oh, yeah. That's the most terrifying part is when you see like 400 feet down. And you're like, oh, my God, just look where you're stepping. So um that's like a i guess i'm like a legend in clarion to some people now because they talk about like the drunk asshole who ran out onto the trestle in the <laughs> middle of the night so yeah but um we had some good time i can't even really remember off the top of my head i the thing for me is all these stories if i if i like go and start talking to one of my old buddies i'll have story after story lined up and like people who don't necessarily know me like it's always funny um some of my buddies, whenever they get like a new girlfriend or even just like if they've had a girlfriend for a while and, and him and I get together and we start talking about old stories and like we start kind of talking about like all the crazy stuff we used to do. All of a sudden their girlfriend's looking at them like, wait a minute, do I know this person? That's not the guy. That's not the guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, college was it was a good time. We, uh, we certainly got into a lot of trouble and I would, I would tell more stories, but they'd have to be offline. Let's just put it that yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, obviously everybody has fun at college, but let's talk about, you know, the serious side, the, the education, I guess you could say, or whatever you, you know, you go to college to figure out what your career is. And obviously for you, that's media. Mm -hmm. um, how did that come about? When did you know that you wanted to have a career in media? Yeah. So I've always been, I've always been good. I don't know if I've always been good at English, but I've always been good at English relative to math. So let's just put it that way. Yeah. So I was terrible at math. I was in remedial classes all the time. Just didn't know it. Didn't care to learn it. Um, and I, I just could never really like apply it to real life situations. Whereas with English, it was like, oh, I can write a paper. Or I can even like with the with the dawn of social media, which kind of happened as I was in like you know, like high school pretty much is like when Facebook, I think got popular for me, but it translated really easily for me to see like, Oh, okay. I can use my writing skills here to write an email and like convey my message a little bit easier than some people. And even like in college, just to go back a little bit, the, my roommate was like the college, um, 
medical distributor. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so he would be like, dude, I got this paper. I got to write, like, can you help me? And I would just, I would just write his papers for him. And it would just came as a breeze to me. I'd be like, okay, yeah. five page paper. What's the topic? He'd be like, oh, it's on, you know, 19th century world wars. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then I'd be like, just Google that. And just like five, you know, just flowing, just, uh, just easily it came naturally for me. So I always knew I wanted to be in, uh, in like the calm field at least. Yeah. And then one of my classes one day, and like when you're in college, I didn't know really what the courses were. It, it, the thing that's so confusing about college is you sign up for a class and it's like mass media on a particular scale. And I'm like, I have no idea what that means. And then you sit down, it's like, oh, you're going to learn Photoshop in this class. And I'm like, why yeah. don't you just call it Photoshop class? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, but we go into the, to the class one day and the teacher was teaching me uh, Adobe Creative Cloud InDesign. And for, the, for me, it was the first time that I really got to like, basically use MS paint, but like a professional version of it and build, you know, graphics and brands and logos and draw on the computer. And I just fell in love with it immediately. And, um, even like throughout my college, uh, like career, my time enrolled in college, I would try to do stuff like professionally for brands and, you know, find side gigs. And I would just make logos for people for free that I'd meet online and be like, Hey, you've got this group, your logo sucks here. Let me make five for you and you yeah. can use one of those. And so, uh, I just got super into it. And then, you know, as I, when I graduated, um, you know, and, and like, I'm, I'm a good, well, I don't want to keep like blowing my own horn here, but I'm like, no, so this is for, you're supposed to. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So <laughs> Mullet Media is the greatest company on earth. If you go with us, you're going to end up making millions of dollars. There you go. Share. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm good at like talking to people too. So my first, one of my first gigs out of school was like as a sales guy. And, um, you know, I thought maybe that was going to be my path, but the more and more I got into sales, I found myself like wanting to help on the marketing side and the copywriting side. And, uh, eventually it just got to the point where I was working for a company and, and one of the founders came outside one day to like the, the area where we're all sitting. He's like, does anybody want to do a podcast with me? And I'm like, yeah, I will. And he's like, do you have any experience? And I was like, no, but I, you know, I listen to podcasts. I think that counts as experience. So I just started getting into the audio side and the video side and like how to run a YouTube channel and, uh, built some pretty successful YouTube brands actually. And, uh, one of the last ones that I built just as a hobby for fun from scratch was Jagoff sports. And, um, you know, it's, it was funny because like we tried to, my, my mission for Jagoff Sports, which for those of you that aren't familiar, it's basically like Barstool, but Pittsburgh. Um, my mission was to create content for free and make it fun and interesting. So like we went to um, the KSWA, did like a wrestling event down in Lawrenceville, and we covered that. And then um, when Jennifer Lopez was pole dancing at the Super Bowl and everybody was up in arms about it, I was like, I should do something about this because it's relevant. And I found a pole dancing place in Pittsburgh and like interviewed them about the controversy. And then I tried pole dancing. So go on YouTube and check those videos out. They're, they're awesome. It's phenomenal. The, <laughs> the business plan for us was create interesting, engaging content for people. It doesn't have to be the greatest quality ever, but if people enjoy that, then I can kind of leverage that to say, Hey, look, we know how to get people's attention online. So why don't we do that for your business in a more professional setting? And mm -hmm. that actually, um, that worked out a lot faster than I thought it would. Uh, we ended up getting 
a ton of clients like right off the jump, which again, like I'm blessed for, maybe I'm just lucky or whatever, but, um, it turned into, it, it ended up being kind of a detriment to Jagoff sports, which is sad. And I, you know, I, I just couldn't keep up with it anymore because it's like, yeah. Hey, someone's going to pay me a bunch of money to make a video for them. Or I can go, you know, pole dance and hurt myself and not yeah. make any money, but make a couple <laughs> people laugh online. So I had to, you know, weigh my, weigh my options there. Plus the wife was like, you're an idiot. So, <laughs> <laughs> so now that you've brought it up, let's talk about Jagoff. Um, when exactly did you start it? Because I know I was following you guys on social media for a short time before I like ended up getting involved with you guys. So I, I, I just give us a timeline. Um, yeah, so I started the blog and like the Twitter, which was kind of the main mouthpiece of the brand um, in I want to say like November, 2019. Okay. Um, and I just remember telling myself like, it's going to be slow at first, but just stick with it and imagine where you'll be a year from now. And mm -hmm. I, I, you know, honestly, our biggest hits at first were just making memes and just that's, and that's one thing that it's really tough for professional businesses and like old, people who are not into internet culture, who run businesses, who want to get that social media exposure they don't necessarily know how to join the conversation. And it's not always for things that aren't going to blow up if they're too polished and too professional and too vanilla. You have to be quirky and fun and you have to be genuine. You have to have that genuine approach. And so for Jagoff Sports, I mean, the brand is literally called Jagoff Sports. So you know what you're getting right off the bat, you know, yeah. I, and that's why I named it that because I wanted, I didn't want to have people come and read Jagoff Sports and be like, well, this is really in bad taste. This article from a place called Jagoff Sports, like no shit. It's called Jagoff. Like that's, and people online all the time would be like, oh, well, I guess your name's really fitting. Like you really are a Jagoff. And I was like, yeah, dude, that's the name of the brand. Like, what are you <laughs> talking about? So, um, but you know, we had hits with, with, um, with really good memes. Like we had the big Ben drinking the icy light and that's what is, his shirt says, shut up, bitch. That is the greatest meme of all time. I feel like some people don't even remember where it came from. Yeah. And they use it as like their profile pictures now on fucking Twitter and shit. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I, it's so famous. I see. <laughs> I mean, that that tweet blew up and it was, I, just like you said, I would see people responding to tweets that they disagreed with, with, with the that. Big Ben drinking it. And I was like, that's my meme. Like, you stole my meme, dude. But... <laughs> I mean, it's all good. That's the point is to, to like, you know, go viral. Um, yeah. And then one of the other things that blew up, which uh, people loved was we did a Ryan Switzer uh, 2019 highlight tape, highlight tape <laughs> and it was brutally bad. He would, he would catch a kickoff at like the five yard line and then there'd be no one around him and somehow he'd lose three yards and we'd be down at the two. And, but the beginning of the highlight tape, we made it like a pump up, like it was going to be yeah. a legit highlight reel. And then it just showed like six awful punt returns. And so people loved it. It, it blew up all over social media. And the um, thing with that video is you don't even have to watch it. You just have to look at the runtime and you're like, this is going to be hilarious. It's like a, <laughs> yeah. it's like a minute 30. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we did one for Dante Moncrief too, but I, I just think he had already been shit on so bad by the community that it was like, yeah, <laughs> beating a dead horse at that point um but but yeah the, so w we had the twitter going pretty well with creating memes and then i was writing 
maybe like two or three articles a day, just anything I could think of. Uh, and I was putting a lot of effort into them. I was like, I did like Le'Veon Bell's best rap lines. I sat down and went through an entire album that he created. And his, his rap lyrics are so hard to distinguish and tell what he's saying that I just made <laughs> stuff up for a lot of them. It was like, here's yeah. what he said in this song. And people were like, <laughs> people thought that was his legit lines, but I just made it up. I just, what it sounded like. Um, and then, you know, we had a couple really good viral posts, um, like actual blog articles. I think one was the, if you Google this right now, this might still be true. If you Google hottest Pittsburgh news anchors, uh, we did a rundown of yes. the hottest news anchors from like WPXI, WTAE, and KDKA, and it's a it's a rundown of all of them. And we're respectful, of course. We're always respectful. But uh, and then we had, you know just a couple others. So the the website ended up I think right around the time that you started doing content for us, we had like fifty thousand hits on the website in the first yeah. two or three months that like we really started churning out content. And uh, like I said, it just it turned it turned so fast into like people saw that we could do good content that they were like, Hey, do this for my business and I'll pay you. And I was like, all right, well at this point, like I, you know, I have to make a living, right? I have to eat. Yeah. So, um, I kind of wish I would have stuck with it though. Cause who knows where it'd be nowadays, you know? Right. And that's like, it, it's, that's why I was so excited about it. And like, I knew I needed to be a part of it because yeah. I like at the time, I, my creative juices weren't flowing. I was too worried about my job that I'd been at for a year. It was my first job out of college. I'm like, I need to focus on this. Mm -hmm. But I was also at the point where it's like, I need to like express my creative side, which was the, you know, funny blog posts, a podcast, whatever, whatever it may be. And I just, me, myself, I was like, I can't do this on my own. I've tried it on my own before. And I just, I knew it wouldn't work. And when right. I found you guys and I knew that Gab Gowdy was doing stuff with you guys, I was like, maybe I can find an in somehow. Cause me and Gab weren't, we weren't great friends in college. We just knew of each other in college. You know, yeah. I think we became a little closer outside of co college, but now we'll get into that story of how we first met. So obviously we had our uh, interactions online, what, and ha what have you. Um, and then, COVID happened and there was no baseball. The only baseball was the Korean baseball league, the KBO and ESPN was doing the, you know, 2 AM broadcasts of the games. So you guys had a great idea. You're like, let's do a nine, nine, nine challenge. And for those that don't know, a nine, nine, nine is nine hot dogs, nine beers in nine innings. So I was like, that's literally right up my alley. Like I need to do that. And you, you guys tweeted out from the Jagoff Twitter account. You're like, Hey, we're looking for uh, a fan to come join us for this nine, nine, nine challenge. And I literally, I think it, you guys tweeted it. And then like 10 seconds later, I was like, I'm in. And I, I think I contacted you guys. I contacted Gab. I was like, how do I, like, how do we do this? How are we going to do this? And you said, hey, just come to Pittsburgh. And I was like, all right, I'll make it like I planned a trip out specifically for that. <laughs> and it, it just worked out. Yeah. And honestly, I was blown away. See, I knew the whole time nine beers for me is like a Wednesday. You know, yeah, that's not a big deal. <laughs> right. but nine hot dogs. I just uh, I don't think I've eaten a hot dog since then, honestly, Cody. And you, you I, yeah. did you eat 10? <laughs> I did. I, I had to go above and beyond. I had oh to prove my myself. God. Yeah, the 999 <laughs> challenge was just 
totally brutal. And the thing that's crazy is we all woke up at whatever time. I don't even know if you slept the night before. I did not. <laughs> so Jenny just thought I, or my wife thought I was absolutely out of my mind because I'm like, hey, so um, tomorrow I'm going to wake up at 3.30 uh, in the morning and I'm going to drive to the office and I'm going to eat nine hot dogs and drink nine beers <laughs> and watch Korean baseball with some dude I've never met before and Gab Gowdy. And she's like, at that point, I think she had given up all hope for, for me and was just like, okay, go do whatever you want. So, and the, the, the I guess the most uh, depressing thing about that is we never even put the footage out because we filmed the entire thing and then I went back and looked at it and it was like four hours long of yeah. footage. And I was just like, there's no way I'm like, There's no this. way to condense this into an hour. Like, no, even no an hour way. would have been too long. Yeah. I was, so we should have live streamed it. But then again, it's at 3 a.m. So who's going to even who's watch gonna it? Watch? And yeah, I remember so. the, the big thing that happened that night was I got into a Twitter argument with Jared Carabas from Barstool Sports. Oh, okay. In the I middle don't... of me doing this. What was the argument about? I don't remember that. Because <laughs> I was rooting for the one team. I had a bet. Remember, I had two bets down. Mm -hmm. I had the over, and I think I had the Dinos yeah. winning. And um, he was not a Dinos fan. I think he was like a Twins fan. Which is crazy. Yeah. How could you not be a Dinos fan? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we were like, I tweeted at him and then he started tweeting at me. And then I, it was right after Gab had done a interview with him. Yeah. So that's how like, he was like, okay, he's with her. Like, let's have a small like interaction, I think. And it was, I think that was probably the, the best part of the content that came out of that night. <laughs> yeah. Well, and uh, Gab, I mean, the way that we got hooked up with her, was I had just seen her on Twitter. I mean, she gets retweeted by people. She had a decent following before I even met her. And it was like this girl from Cleveland living in Pittsburgh. And I was like, yeah. oh, that is so perfect for That's us hilarious. because it's just instant content and shit talks. So I just reached out to her randomly, I think in DMs. And I was like, hey, uh, if you're interested in like, you know, writing, because I think, you know, she was she she was working for a company she hated to and she was a lot like you like she couldn't she didn't have a place to like put that creative energy and i told her i was like listen you know i've got the equipment i've got the the ability to do the editing and all this like whatever you want to do we'll just do it for you and just put it under our flag and that will bring you know drive more viewers hopefully which it did yeah. and uh she started a little podcast called uh good game or gg because uh, her name's gab gowdy and she got a lot of she got a lot of people on. She got a ton of guys from Barstool. She got like members of the Cleveland Browns on there. And uh, I think now, doesn't she work for FanDuel? Yeah, she does. She basically runs FanDuel's TikTok account. Yeah, so that's awesome. Good for yeah. her. I'm happy to see that. She and then is, She is the success story of Jagoff Sports. That's it. That's it. Yeah, so hopefully she gives us a shout out. A woman you know, from Cleveland day. is the success story of a Pittsburgh media company. Yeah, see, come on. Well, I guess we got to give them a win every once in a while. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, I actually uh, I think she's too big time because after the Browns beat the Steelers, which I still think about sometimes, Cody, yeah. I still think about that sometimes. But uh, I texted her. And I was like, hey, congrats, you know, any like I get to the point with the Steelers, Cody, where like when they lose, I'm pissed off at them. So I'm like, good. Yeah. Like, I'm glad you guys lost that game. Like, I'm happy for the Browns. That's how that's how much of a fan I am that I become like this like angry disappointed like we're gonna learn our lesson the hard way guys you know i'm like that yeah guy. So, um so i told i but i said hey you know that's awesome good for you and then i said next time you're in pittsburgh like you know let's grab a beer or whatever 
And of course, I never got called, but I did see her on, you know, Instagram in Pittsburgh. So <laughs> thanks, Gab. Appreciate it. Hey, that's how it goes. You know, you, you, the fame gets to your head. <laughs> yeah, she's changed. She doesn't remember her roots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that that whole thing was that the whole 999 and you guys gave me a platform to blog and I was able to blog what I wanted to blog. And that was just, I thank you guys. I, I always think about you guys. I'm wearing the shirt right now. Yeah, the nice. the Jagoff shirt on. I wear it every so often just to remember my roots because I, I stick to my roots, you know? Yeah. I, I'm not too big yet. <laughs> but yeah, you guys just, you really did something I think that was really great for Pittsburgh. Um, it's unfortunate that it couldn't continue. Um, I mean, I, so my fantasy is that if I did move back to Pittsburgh, I'd be like, Hey, you guys do your thing. I'll do Jag off. If you want to do stuff for it, go ahead. I'll just run it for you. And like, we can still do it. <laughs> you know, that <laughs> like that's, that's my dream, but that might work. I, yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> you know, and I, I would tell this to anybody who's out there. If you, you know, if you feel like you're in a job where you don't like it and um, I mean, just things, things happen kind of, I don't know, maybe it's good luck and you're in the right place at the right time, but just you, you're never going to get anywhere if you don't try. And a lot of times, like for content creators, if you just get started with content and you have, you know, good, vo like you're, you're comfortable on camera, you got a good voice, Gab's the same way. Like she's just, she knows how to stir the pot on Twitter, especially oh, more yeah. than anyone. Um, but like, you'd be shocked how much just asking people like, Hey, do you want to come on the show? And then having a link back to the YouTube channel being like, here, see, it's consistent. Yeah. You know? And I think people, sometimes they think, uh, like, you know, you look at, um, some of the channels out there of YouTubers and they've got a million followers and it's like, I don't have any followers. How am I ever going to reach that? And it's like, well, they didn't just get that overnight. They started somewhere and then they, you know, they ask that you, you're never going to, you're never going to get to that point if you don't start somewhere. Uh, and I know it seems kind of cliche, but one thing that I've learned just from doing Jagoff and getting all those hits and going viral with like whatever we did and then, you know, like running a business now and even relating this back to the business, but like getting some clients, like we work with, um, you know, the Carnegie Museum of Art. It's a massive client. You know, it's Andrew Carnegie's money. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get, uh, you know, PGT Trucking is like this massive brand. And I'm like, wow, how did we get here? And the thing is, we just you kind of just like talk to people and ask them and it's possible. Like one of the things that was so hard for me to wrap my head around w when I was deciding to start a business was like, I don't know, should I do this? Like, you know, so many businesses fail and things don't work out for people, but think about your life, every single thing in the room you're sitting in and all the services you use and zoom and all, all that stuff comes from businesses. The whole world comes from somebody who had an idea who built something, who put it together or who, you know, was able to sell it or just get someone else to buy into that idea and, and work through it. And so like with entertainment, with Jagoff sports, you know, I saw like the success of Barstool and the success of some of these other internet blogs who didn't necessarily like they're, they're not polished and professional and you don't have to be, you just have to be genuine and be, you know, get people to like you. Not everybody does like you. That's, that's just a fact. But, um, you know, it, once you kind of wrap your head around that, that th those things are possible. Like we're, we're here for a reason with like how things are built and how things are, everything's provided by a business owner in one way or another, it, it makes it seem a little bit more possible, you know? So that's my advice to you and to anyone out there who's like, you know, you want to start something like 
you well, you got to start. You got to do day one first, you know, exactly. and before you can do day whatever when you get a million followers. So yeah, exactly. I, it it really just takes that one day for you to break out of your like normal routine. So that's what happened for me. I was like, I saw an opportunity, and I was like, especially with the podcast, because I started out writing for you guys. And that's something I kind of did on my own anyway, but I never really put it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it came to the podcast, I was like, I've always wanted to do a podcast. So it's I was like, it's either now or never, you know. Right. If I and I if I don't do it, if I don't if I don't at least try, I'm gonna regret it for the rest of my life. Whether yeah. this gets big or I stay consistent with the 20 viewers that I have, like whatever it is, I'm happy that I did it. And I like you know, it's like if you don't do it, then you're not gonna you're never gonna have peace. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I and like I said. I, you know, I run my own business because my biggest thing is I have a problem with authority and I get in trouble all the time. And you know, I, I just can't stand like being micromanaged. And uh, so for me, there's not really even like another option, you know, like someone yeah. would have to pay me a lot of money to employ me at this point. I would just be like, no, there's no way. Um, but still like I, and even as that kind of person, I still was apprehensive about like, especially putting yourself out there content wise too, because you never know who's going to see it. It's like, Oh, you know, I said the F word on a podcast and now like PNC bank's not going to fucking hire me. And it's like, okay, well how about this PNC bank? I never want to work for you anyway. Like why would I want to work for a company that doesn't let me say the F word or have fun or be myself, Yeah, you know? So, and it's, I can see it's tough. Cause like you, you have that security on one side and that like be who you really are on the other side and you got to weigh the benefits. But I'd say if you're young, and you know how to use the internet, you know how to gain attention online. I mean, there's no, you have such an advantage over so many people. And so it's, it's something to definitely consider. And, you know, you can be calculated a little bit more calculated in your approach than, than me eating nine hot dogs and throwing up on camera or whatever. (laughs) You know, you don't have to be crazy, but um, you know, that for me, that's just the way I am, you know? And I think people, I want people to know that upfront. That's why I didn't name my company like, we're, uh, we wear t- suits and ties and we're called uh, ABC Media and we're going to give you the best 30 second pre-roll ad on YouTube you've ever, your company's ever made. It's like, no, we're called Mullet Media. I have a jackass haircut. We're artsy. I like to get drunk. Like, it's going to be fun time. We're going to make great content for you in the meantime. And that's what people like is genuine. Like, you know, they want to know you and trust you. They don't want to, I don't know. Half the time, Cody, they don't even care what the video looks like as long as it looks good. If they like you, that's the why they're working with exactly. you. Exactly. So absolutely now i mean obviously we've been talking about mullet this whole time but i think to round out uh let's just if you could just give us a quick like give us your best elevator pitch before we move on i would say my best elevator pitch is to ask a question and the question is you know if you own a business are you finding it are you finding yourself often creating content just to throw it into a void where nobody gives a shit and it's not creating any engagement because that does happen a lot. And that's even happens with people who are putting a lot of money and a lot of strategy into it. Our goal here is to solve that and to create a consistent game plan and a and a, um, a consistent strategy and a campaign for you rather than just coming and saying, Hey, let's shoot you a really nice high quality video one and done, shake your hand. Thanks. Pay us. And then see you later. Our, our mission is to, to basically join your business. You know, whenever we sign a client here, um, I, I feel like I'm a part of their business. And so when things aren't working, I take it personally. And when things are working, I also take it personally and I feel good about it. Um, you know, nothing, 
nothing keeps me awake at night more than knowing that the client isn't satisfied that's working with us and nothing makes me happier than when somebody tells me, you know, cause we have clients all the time that come up to me and they're like, dude, somebody saw that commercial and it's like, we signed a new client or like we work with a company called triple P disposal. If you need a dumpster, they're the best in Pittsburgh. Um, but they, they do dumpster rentals and his business just blew up after we started doing videos for him. And now, uh, I, I should probably disclose he is my cousin. So I've been working with him for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, he'll tell me sometimes he's like, dude, I go into a restaurant. People are like, Hey, it's the triple P dumpster guy. And he's like, I'm like famous in Pittsburgh now. <laughs> I'm like, dude, that is awesome. That's yeah. great. Um, so yeah, like we, you know, we do pretty much all marketing soup to nuts. Like, you know, we'll, we'll like manage your database and your CRM and all that kind of boring stuff. Um, we'll get you set up on ad spend and all that, you know, te more technical side. Um, but really our bread and butter is video content and scaled video content where you can put out new videos every month and, you know, be consistent with it and not just hit people with like that one great commercial that you filmed once every two years. Um, and then, you know, we've got that and then we've got special projects that we work on as well. So more bigger budget type things uh, that people want for, you know, whatever, like 40th anniversary or um, like for the museum, we do guided tours that you can go to digitally because of COVID. We can't have a bunch of kids in the museum. So, yeah. um, you know, that's that's the elevator pitch right there. So buy from us. Well, I, for an elevator pitch, you must have been going up like 50 floors. So, <laughs> but it was still great. And I'm glad I, I was able to give you the platform to do it. And I hope, I hope more people will watch this to be able to work with you. That's, that was the goal from the beginning of these uh, small business spotlights. I, I obviously, like I said, at the beginning, I haven't done one in a while, but mm -hmm. it's still something that I really want to do and give these like small businesses like yours, a platform to just be able to, you know, show who they are, you know, from not from a business standpoint, but from a personal standpoint yeah and you know. I, you're the type of guy i feel like i know you like you're you all the time you know there, there's no like there's no facade ev is ev you know yep and i to be able to bring you on here and give mullet media uh the respect and um what's the word the respect and the exposure it deserves it's, it's a pleasure to have you on. So before we leave, I, I just thought of this idea out of the blue there because you're such a Yinzer. You're such a Pittsburgh guy. I got to test you. I got to test that knowledge. All right. So I got a little, uh, you ought to know Pittsburgh trivia game here. <laughs> oh, man. And we're going to test your knowledge. I'm going to pick a random card out of this little tin. Um, oh, no, this will be so embarrassing if I get it wrong. Trust me, everybody gets embarrassed with this game, even myself. Uh, so <laughs> there's some niche stuff in here. I'm uh, sure. Like a lot of whip you stuff, too. So, uh oh. Well, I'm the king. They call me the king of the whip. So, <laughs> so it should come easy. But all right, let's, <laughs> let's pick a card out of here. Steph, help me. Yeah, Steph, you're going to have to do like some quick Google searches or something <laughs> in the back. <laughs> all right, we got four questions for you. Okay. First one, in what year did the Steelers select four future Hall of Famers, Lynn Swan, Jack Lambert, John Stallworth, and Mike Webster in the same NFL draft? Um, hmm. Okay, so they started winning Super Bowls in, what was it, 70, 
five was the first year they won the Super Bowl. Um, I, in what year is the question? Yes. I'll say 73. It's 1974. Uh, okay. Well, close enough. Close enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. 0 for 1. Next question. 0 for. Whose eight-yard run produced the first regular season touchdown ever scored at Heinz Field? Eight-yard run. First great regular one. season. Okay, so hold on. Let's do. Let's backtrack here. I'll give you a hint. The first. The first season would have been two thousand one, and back then our running backs were. I mean, I I think the obvious here is Jerome Bettis, but. It might have been either Jerome Bettis. Can I give you multiples? All right, wait. Are you able to see me? Oh, okay. You guys are giving me a big clue I'm here. I'm giving you a hint. I'm going to say it's Cordell Stewart. <laughs> oh, my God. It's Cordell Stewart. You're yes. right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One for two. One for two. All right. Next question. Between stints as an NFL offensive coordinator – who led the Pitt Panthers program from 1989 to 1992? Oh, God. I have no. Um, I'm going to say 1992. I have no. I have. I don't know anything about Pitt football, so I'm going to say Walt Harris, but I know it's not him. It's Paul Hackett. Paul, there's no way I would have known that. I should have, <laughs> I would have never phoned, guessed. phoned a friend on that one. Yeah, I would have never guessed that one. <laughs> All right, last question. All right. What Pittsburgh native retired from football in 2011 as the sixth leading sacker in NFL history? Kevin Green. No. In 2011? Jeez, come on. <laughs> Wait, as the sixth leading sacker in what? Franchise history? No, in NFL history. A Pittsburgh native? I didn't know this. Um. Uh, oh, 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 oh. Oh, no. I should know this. He played for the Dolphins. I can't think of his name. <laughs> Steph, what's his name? I can't think of his name. Jason Taylor. That's Jason it. Jason Taylor. <laughs> Jason Taylor. Yep. 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 You can thank Steph for uh, saving your ass there. I said he played for the Dolphins, so I knew. <laughs> well, right, I said Kevin Green, so knock that point off. <laughs> two for four. I think that's the best score I've ever had from yeah. a guest on this podcast when we bring that up. And True, Yenzer. Honestly. Cut me open, cut me open, Cody. Icy light comes out. Oh, you got an icy light over there? No, I mean, if you cut me open, just... Oh, yeah, it's just in your veins. Yeah, (laughs) actually, it's iron heavy. No, you got the light, your dad's got the heavy. That's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I haven't haven't graduated to the heavy yet. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Ev, uh, thank you so much for coming on. I'm glad we could talk about your, your company and try to give some more eyes to it. Obviously, you guys are already doing so well for yourselves. I can't wait to see where you guys go. Uh, everybody be sure to check out mullet media um, i'll have links in the description of this video um, if you're listening on uh, a podcast which i mean who who listens to podcasts anymore Ev? i watch everything on youtube so. i don't know psychopaths <laughs> psychos um but if you're listening on there uh be sure to check out the youtube channel uh you have all the all the videos all the podcasts are on there even the ones from jagoff sports they're part of a special playlist um it's called every back to the berg ever, I think is what I called it. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, be sure to check out Mullet Media for any of your media and marketing needs. Because um, honestly, 
everybody needs that if you're running some sort of company or if you're even if you're running a little league baseball tournament or something you know everybody needs a nice video and i know these guys can do it right for you so Ev, i love it i appreciate it Cody. thanks again for coming on and it's nice to catch up with you. If you run a business, Bank of Clark County has you covered. Offering cash management services to automate and simplify your business banking, streamlined digital banking, and merchant payment processing that's a one-stop solution. Plus, Bank of Clark offers corporate credit cards that help you optimize capital, organize expenses, and enhance your business. Whether you're looking to earn points faster or lower your APR, Bank of Clark County has the card that's right for you. Member FDIC. And we're back. Well, tax season's here, folks, and you know. Hi there. Whoa, where'd you come from? April here to tell you about the tax filing software from TaxAct. Uh, seriously, were you, like, hiding behind my desk? Seriously, TaxAct makes it easy to get your maximum refund. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Switch to TaxAct today, and you can start for free. Or as we say at Radioland. Subtle. TaxAct. File for less and get more. Restrictions apply. Price at filing. Subject to change. See TaxAct.com for details.